pause to consider. The podcast where you put your busy day on pause to consider spiritual encouragement and wisdom on your walk towards God's kingdom. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Sam Taylor, here to get you thinking about the Word of God. When I say the name Barabbas, what do you picture him looking like? I picture someone with menacing eyes, unkempt hair, and a character that I can only describe as like a wild animal. He's so far removed from what the typical person looks and acts like that I can't relate to him at all. Though most people know who he is, we aren't told much about Barabbas. He was a criminal sentenced to death, and his freedom from execution, granted by Pilate due to the outcry of the Jewish people, served as evidence of their initial denial of the world's Messiah. Yet this alone is enough to make us reflect on our own shortcomings, if we consider it in a right spirit. So what does the Bible tell us about Barabbas? Mark 15, 7 tells us simply, and among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. We get two adjectives. He was a rebel, and he was a murderer. Now what's rebellion? Rebellion is where one defies governing powers, whosoever they are. Though rebellions were very common during the Lord's ministry, and Throughout the history of the first century Ecclesia, they're nothing new for mankind. The event which altered the course of humanity forever, which necessitated a sacrifice of God's only begotten Son, was one of willful rebellion against God's law in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve transgressed in the garden, sin entered the world and began the war between the seed of the woman, which is Christ and his spiritual thinking, against the seed of the serpent, that is, mankind and our rebellious thinking. Rebellion doesn't need to be associated with war or bloodshed, though. To rebel against God, it takes place in the simple things you and I do throughout the day, whether it's passing off time to reflect on God's wisdom or when we go against everything God stands for in a Simple conversation that we don't even think twice about afterwards. The moments where we lean on our own understanding, believing it superior to the wisdom and power of God Almighty, are moments of rebellion towards the Father. We're not immune to the allure of the lusts of our hearts. We're actually quite vulnerable to them. To combat these lusts, we must be constantly vigilant of our own propensity to rebel against God in our hearts. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 15, verses 18-19 about the behaviors that can emerge from an unchecked heart. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. You probably notice one of the byproducts of following the heart is murder. This was, incidentally, the second crime of Barabbas, wasn't it? Let's face it. Murder is not a common sin for you and I to commit or even think about on a day-to-day -day basis. As disciples, 
we can be so comfortable disassociating ourselves from murder and violence. Should we live so confident that this is a commandment we'd never break? I suggest it's a resounding no. After contrasting God's family against Cain, the first murderer, John referenced the Sermon on the Mount by plainly saying in 1 John 3 verse 12 that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. He goes on to say in verse 17, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? In the eyes of God, in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, and ideally in our own eyes, murder shouldn't exclusively be the violent crime of taking someone's life. Murder in our brotherhood occurs when we know we can meet the need of a fellow brother or sister and make the deliberate, silent choice to say no. Murder is when we look down on others for how they look or speak or how well they articulate their thoughts about the Bible. It can occur when we alienate them while staying in our own comfortable cliques at meeting and gatherings. We could be unknowing murderers every day when we act on our subconscious decisions to put stumbling blocks before brothers and sisters for the sake of personal convenience. These are behaviors we need to unlearn to be better brothers and sisters towards others. The day the Lord died, two men that could rightly be called son of the father were offered up to be pardoned or murdered. The only begotten son of the father was condemned to die. Barabbas, the carnal man whose name means son of the father, was freed. Though Christ was God's only begotten, the genealogy in Luke says that in a sense Adam was God's son. And we too are sons of Adam, confined to a moral prison awaiting our death sentence for our rebellion and our murder. Yet this doesn't have to be the case for us. Barabbas was redeemed from his death sentence because Christ was delivered to die, and this gave him a new lease on life. But this isn't substitution theory. Like all men, Barabbas died. He wasn't permanently freed from his sentence, but he was freed morally from his past crimes, a chance to start over. And so are we. When we are baptized into Christ, we're still bound to our human nature, and we're still condemned to die. But we have been given a precious liberty through the sacrifice of Jesus. Paul wrote to the Galatians and to us in Galatians 5 verse 13 when he said, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. Serve one another. We might think doing what our heart desires is true freedom. But this isn't the freedom Christ offered us with a sacrifice. He has provided us the gift of being free from our own self-interests and free to do God's will, not resorting to sinning perpetually. We can't misappropriate our liberty by going back to our old ways. 
Now, if we do, in fact, turn to Christ's example and use our freedom wisely, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 says, Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit in this context seems to be talking about Christ's mindset. Since Jesus perfectly manifested the character of God, he is synonymous with spiritual thinking. And where that spirit is, there is freedom. The two mindsets of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent are always at war with each other. But only one, only one can free us from our mental prison, as well as the prison of our flesh, when Christ returns. When I say the name Barabbas, what do you picture him looking like? I see a reflection of myself looking at me as if it were from a mirror. And he's so closely associated to what the typical person looks and acts like that I can't help but relate to him. We are Barabbas. Every one of us is guilty of rebellion and murder. And every one of us deserves death. But Christ's death makes us free to not have to be bound to sin, free to do God's will with the strength given to us by God's salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I can't tell you what Barabbas decided to do with his newfound freedom, but I can tell you that we all have a choice about how we use our liberty so graciously given to us by God. We could abuse our freedom, doing what we please, but that will just land us in the same dark and lonely prison we were in before. Or we can use it to be morally dead to sin, free to bear our cross and follow the commandments of our God and the example of our Lord. What will you choose, Barabbas?